Hey everybody, it's Michael Antonovich with Swap Moto Live. Thanks for clicking play on this episode of the Swap Moto Podcast presented by Fly Racing. If you're a regular to the site, then you've probably watched every episode in this season of the Red Bull Moto Spy series. The documentary angle that Jeremy Mallott, Wes Williams, and the rest of the crew went for this year has been really well received, thanks to the access they had to riders and the way they tied each round of the Supercross season together in 20-minute recaps. With six of the episodes now online and the possibility of a seventh depending on Supercross restarting, I called Jeremy and Wes and discussed what went into this season. It's Jeremy's job to manage Motospy within Red Bull, while Wes and his guys handle all the filming and editing, so the two have plenty to share and explain about the project. Thanks again for listening, and head to our site, SwapMotoLive.com, to watch every episode, plus plenty of other content from Pro Racing. Talk to you guys soon. So yeah, hey boys, thank you for getting on the phone with me. You guys just dropped the last episode for right now, the current package of Red Bull Motospy for the year. Um, this one discusses, you know, Daytona. And then where we're at right now with the sport, where everybody knows we're just kind of in a waiting period. So thanks for getting to me on this one. Um, how was it to push, you know, send on that last one on YouTube today? Go ahead, Wes. You can take this one. All right. Uh, it, it's bittersweet, isn't it? Everybody wants to get back to racing. And seeing as we now just released everything we had in the bag, it, uh, it's, it's sad, but cool in the same way because I, I think it ended on such a cool uh positive note um the ending was really rad and quite a cliffhanger so i think uh i can speak for everybody when i can, i say that we're excited to get back to supercross racing and back to shooting moto spy yeah i think um people kind of get bummed a little bit that it takes so long to get an episode out obviously there's it's a little bit of a lag but that's what happens but hey let me stop you there it really doesn't like we're there's a lot of times I put these things out two weeks after a race. Oh no! As, there, as a... There's certainly there's certainly been some timelines that you've cursed at us for, but um, I think even though through this whole quarantine thing, like at least we, I think we've had three episodes. I think four, five, and six all came out post quarantine. So you know at least there's been some semblance of some new content. Because right now I think like like Wes said, we just emptied the bag. There's nothing left. I mean, we can maybe do a bloopers a bloopers uh, episode, but outside of that, we're basically on hold like everybody else. So. Wes and his team did an incredible job to kind of put this one together. Um, something that we kind of, you know, we all toyed with, like, hey, do we, do we postpone it? Do we, what do we do with this? So I think it, it's a good ending for, for the moment. Hey, the, uh, the timeline on how fast these are filmed to when they're edited, I have a big question about that later on. So, so start thinking about the answer for that because this is like one of the key questions to this whole thing. So, yeah. yeah. Um, hey, the last few years of this series have been incredible. You know, it's insightful, and there's details that we see that are really important to a writer's career that unless you're at those compounds like we are every day, you never get to see that stuff. So for you two, you know, Jeremy, when you're pitching this to Red Bull or teams, and then Wes, when you're explaining to everybody how detailed these shots are going to be, what is your pitch and what's their reaction? Is there ever blowback from it, or are they understanding, hey, this is what the Red Bull guys are trying to do? I, I think we really drafted off the back of the Netflix series, Drive to Survive. My whole thing is if that sport, with their hundreds of millions of dollars of budgets, can do and give the access that they give, then we can get it in our little sport. You know, Let's be real. Like our sport, we're not playing anywhere near the same number of zeros as F1 is. And if they're willing to let you into their doors and behind closed door meetings where there's cursing and guys are getting yelled at and guys are punching holes in the wall – I don't see why we there's not there shouldn't be any areas that are, are deemed off limits for our sport. So I think people that's been a big help when I can just kind of say, OK, go to if you have a Netflix account, 
Kenny, Eric Kehoe, Roger DeCoster. Go watch Netflix, their, share, their series on Formula One, and then tell me why we can't do that in our sport. And then, obviously, you look at the uptick. I think um, F1 alone is up 81%. Um, with males 1834, and it's up 19% overall in the U.S., and you can only attribute that to that series. I'm not saying we're going to get that, that same movement, but that's, I think there's, there's things that we can copy from other people and learn from. So that's kind of why, why we did this series and how we kind of sold it in. Cool. And then, Wes, for you, I mean, you're, what you're filming, you're day in, day out in the guts of everything. Uh, are there ever times where they're like, hey, could you not do this, or do they have to pretty much sign off and say, we're good to shoot whatever? Well, we, we do show it to some of the manufacturers and like press press members uh, just to make sure everything's kosher. But I'd say most for the most part, day to day, the relationship we have with the riders from Ken, AC, Coop, they all know and trust us so much that it's never a case of, hey, turn the cameras off. Um, I, I would say like in the last section part, when we put mics on new people, I think they get a little bit weary and uh, overuse the mute button a little bit, but I, I think as they become more and more comfortable with us, like especially the mechanics now, they just they let it roll and they know that we're never going to utilize something that's going to make them look bad because at the end of the day, we don't we don't want to make anybody look like assholes. We want to continue to get the access. So if we if we misuse their trust and, and run stuff that they don't want us to, then obviously we'll get can the access. So. Uh, it's always a fine balance, but just from the relationship and knowing what should and shouldn't be seen, it uh, it makes it a pretty easy job on our front editing, knowing where the line is, right? Mm -hmm. And you've been at this for so long, like probably what now, 15, almost 20 years of video stuff? Yes, I started in 02, so yeah, damn near 20 years. Yeah, damn. And the guys that you have, I mean, these are this is a crew that you've put together and worked with on different projects for pretty much that whole same time frame. So, like, who are some of the guys that are involved? Because it's not just you running the camera and editing everything. Right. Yeah. We, Danny Stu, uh, like my my main right hand man on the on the camera front. He's been working with me since Vermoto in 07. Jason Crane comes and helps camera audio all around badass dude uh, came in on verb at Oh nine. Will Posey, uh, who's our lead editor uh, was at GoPro until I was 16, I think. And then he left GoPro and we picked him up immediately. So he's been helping up, helping us do everything since then. Uh, everything from straight rhythm content to, to this, to our planet moto series, um, all kinds of stuff over the last few years. Um, and then Eli Moore, who now works for Red Bull, he used to do a bunch of stuff for verb. And then, Jeremy uh, picked me up, shoot, in 07, I think, when they started doing the Red Bull Jams videos when, when we launched Verb. So I think all of it has kind of culminated together, and we've been such a tight-knit team that has grown closer and closer and closer over the past four or five years especially. So I think that's definitely one of the main reasons you could attribute to uh, the success of how quickly and how well we could put these together. Mm -hmm. Hey, Jeremy, with you, you know, you manage the business side of it. Wes has the production and all that detailed out, but you pretty much have to go and explain this to your higher ups at Red Bull. But right now, you know, Red Bull's become a media entity in itself. You know, they do a lot of motorsport content, a lot of episodic stuff. Their Dakar coverage this year was was unreal. So how has this series as Moto Spy been received internally? Because it seems like a lot of what you guys are doing with this has been kind of copied and pasted into other forms of racing. Yeah, it's the funny thing is, is this is sort of a best practice across the board. Um, 
this series, the structure, how we did it with the podcasting and, and using the media kind of drive the narrative and not just use talking heads with athletes. I think one of the key parts of the series is, and the reason the guys don't mind it is we don't sit them down for interviews. You'd have a, I, you wouldn't find any, if you combed the last two seasons, you wouldn't find one sit down interview with the athlete that was specific for our camera. Everything we get is, is on, is a fly on the wall. And then we might, you know, have a few pieces from um, uh, Pulp MX or, or you or uh, DMXS to kind of fill in the voids and tie the stories together. So I think that's been a really great angle that we've taken. But again, as far as the Red Bull stuff, yeah, it's the best practice. And to be honest, they're, they're trying to figure out ways to to use the same formula in other forms of, of motorsports, whether it be MotoGP or or F, um, some F1 stuff, just different angles. So, um, you know, good luck. I think the, the secret sauce that we have is Wes and his team and the fact that we kind of know Basically, everything that's going on with the riders at all times, I think our sport just being a little bit smaller allows us to do that. I don't know if you'll ever get that in MotoGP. They're pretty secretive. Um, but yeah, I think that's been that's been the good thing is that the series has performed so well that the highest of the highs from Red Bull Media House in Austria are they're so aware of this series and ultimately like asking questions and trying to figure out what we're doing and how we're doing it. So again, that's a kudos to, to Wes and his team. Mm-hmm. The way you guys did that, the podcast thing, that's super creative because it allows that analysis and that insight without, like you said, setting us down because to set us down on a weekend, I mean, you guys would, that would be hours and hours of undertaking and you're not going to get all those same guys, you know, me and Mathis and Wygant and Don and whoever, you know, all those clips that you use, it's impractical to set us down on a Friday and then can all those interviews from one. So good job on the podcast thing. But then whose job is that to dissect all those clips and like keep marker moments of like, Hey, this is important. We need to have this or that. Yeah. Huge props goes to Chase Dallow, uh, especially on that forefront. We, I think Jeremy and I always kind of talk amongst ourselves and let Jeremy and Eli talk amongst themselves. And Jeremy and I are the kind of ones that pull in some oddball ideas and Chase and uh, Eli kind of keep it more linear and structured, but um, Chase kind of spearheads taking in every single podcast and uh, putting it between him and Eli and deciding uh, who listens to what and who gets what segment because we plan it all out before we kind of know the story angles we're going for. And then it's like, all right, now here's 10 hours worth of podcasts you guys got to listen to in order to hopefully achieve that goal. And sometimes we get a lot of epic shit and sometimes we don't. So it's, uh, it's, I mean, I, I don't know. I, I think at the beginning of last year, I was, I was doing it myself for the first two episodes and I finally called chase, um, because he wanted to go, he wanted to go freelance from racer X. And I was like, Hey dude, uh, I really need help doing this. If, if you want to come and join our team and, uh, thank goodness we did because it, I, I feel like having that analysis and having someone go through that many stories through all the podcasts only helped take the, Modus by narrative to the next level. Yeah, because to listen to that stuff as a fan is one thing, but then to have to keep notes of that, like good on Chase. He's a very yeah. uh, data and like numbers driven dude, so this is perfect for him. Yeah, well, and, and you should see the spreadsheets that uh, we have on Google Sheets and everything. We send them to Jeremy sometimes, and he's like, "Dude, I, I can't even wrap my head around this. Just tell me, <laughs> tell me the story angle here." Yeah. So it's uh, it's it's a cumbersome process for sure. Yeah. Again, back to that point of the podcast, like you guys are doing such a good job of putting out so much content. I don't need to ask you for another interview. You've said it four places already. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of like, let's just, let's, they're, they're serving this up. 
you guys have communities who follow you and hang on your every word, just like that. Steve, Steve has his and DMX has his, his Weege has his. So JT. So we just kind of thought like, man, like we can make, we can bring the community together. I think one of the great things about Red Bull is that it is community based. Like the whole thing is not to make sure Red Bull's good. Red Bull tries to make sure the sport's good and then everything else will follow after that. So if we can make you guys a little bit more popular or expose you guys, be like, damn, now Michael and Thomas guy, he's got some great points. Or that Steve Matthews has got some great points. That maybe they become fans of you via the, the show because they didn't know who you were. Uh, and then also that your community is soaked that you're in it and that, you know, the other, you know, Weege and he's probably overexposed at this point, but some of the other guys are, are getting some exposure that maybe they don't normally get. So again, a rising tide, you know, raises all ships. So that's kind of the thought process. Oh yeah, totally dude. And like, I've, I, for me personally, you know, my name and my voice and all that stuff has been used so many times and I appreciate it because, you know, there are times where I'm sitting here at my house writing things and I'm like, God, I, I hope somebody's listening or I hope this makes sense to someone or somebody's paying attention. And then when you guys endorse it and use it in your clips, I'm like, Oh, okay. I'm on to something now. I'm not just completely crazy in isolation here. No. Perfect. Yeah. Um, okay. and it's, and it's always cool having the, the differentiating viewpoints for, you know, you might disagree with Mathis or JT always has quite a different take from Blair or Jason McAlpine. So, uh, I think that's one reason I love Moto Spy so much is especially in this last episode, there was, quite a few uh, story arcs with Cooper where everybody's kind of giving in their, uh, their own debate. And I, I just, I think having all those different viewpoints just gives it, makes it that much more intriguing. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And I, and Jeremy, to your point too, like I agree because it makes the media as a whole better because we all need each other. You know, we're posting your thing. You're getting traffic from us. We're getting traffic from you. It all works together. And then Wes, to your point, like everybody in here gets a voice now, you know, instead of it just being an equal bias towards one guy, that's just a Red Bull athlete. It's pretty even across the board. Hey, this is the struggle this guy's going through, or this is a high point and everybody gets an even share to say what they think. So, yeah. Um, going on to this, you guys aren't just Red Bull guys, though. I mean, yeah, it's easy to get Cooper and Ken and then the TLD KTM team. But then there were moments with, you know, RJ Hampshire this year with Zach Osborne, with Adam Censorillo. So how do you guys pick out who you want to go with for a video or for an episode? I'll let you take that one, Jeremy. All right. Yeah, that's that's a tough one, right? We're a, We're... Liberty can get away with it with Formula One because Liberty is, an, is obviously they own Formula One, but they're independent from everybody else. So they can cover everybody without any issues. We're a brand and we obviously um, have our brand guidelines. And our goal is to be the number one beverage brand in the world and definitely the number one energy drink. So to, to show other brands off, we, we have to walk a fine line and we have to be very creative on how we shoot things. Although we're never going to blur someone out or cut someone out specifically for that. But we just have to walk a very fine line just to show that we're respectful of you know the fact that red bull is taking you know funding this program but um we definitely want to make sure we have the best storylines i think you can't you, how many more times can we just tell the cooper marvin and, and kenny story um there's just so many other storylines out there and so we've gone to the you know we i went to the top 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 to make sure adam cianciarillo is in there that guy's a superstar in the making he's the coolest guy one of the coolest guys in the pits one of the funniest guys in the pits it would be a disservice to the community and really a disservice to our show to not show a guy who's relevant like adam cianciarillo um another one is zach osborne the guy's a he's a gem i think he's probably wes's favorite guy to shoot with he, he's just constant comedy tons of personality says what he means and says says it without any filter so we just we have to open up our, our horizons and hopefully, you know, people start to realize that you can't just keep showing, you know, your brand guys. Some people have to do that. 
but I think Red Bull's taking some some risks here, and I hope people see that as a good thing, and not that we're promoting some other brand or some other rider who's not on the roster, but we're promoting the sport. Um, that's kind of the angle we've taken. Again, it's not it's not a wide open floodgate. We can't show everybody, but I think if if Eli came to us and said he would be part of the show, we could absolutely make a part of it. Our call in the past, we tried to work with him on some of our Red Bull stuff, so it's something that we would like to, but it's, it's not really in his uh, his focus. But on that point, though, for you guys to do that, that's huge because that's a sign of confidence for Red Bull just to know, hey, you know, we have the quality, we have the brand, we're comfortable within ourselves here. You guys don't ever have to make a big splash. I mean, that's been Red Bull's stance pretty much since day one. Correct. Yeah, I think I think you have to at certain times you have to show a little bit of brand confidence, and I think we do a, a really good job of that. And I mean, no different than straight rhythm. I think for a long time, everybody thought that was a Red Bull event. You had your Red Bull ride. I'm like, no, I've asked every single brand, every single rider from every color brand to come on out and participate. But they just, for whatever reason, found excuses to not. So, um, but yeah, I think Red Bull takes a, you know, whether it's Rampage, they try to put everybody on the biggest platform possible and, and make sure that, this, like I said, the sports are, are healthy and, and moving forward. Because if that happens, then everybody's healthy moving forward. So. Mm-hmm. Hey, Wes, the editing style that you have is really unique because you tell the documentary story without tugging on too many heartstrings or being too dark or whatever, uh, but then you still have the high energy of Moto that, like, makes people want to watch it. You know, this thing has a good blend of, you know, you, you get inside of what's happening and you know, like, hey, this is a gnarly deep moment, and then, you know, you'll go transition to the next clip and it's an upbeat punk rock song or something with Jet Lawrence. So where does your editing style come from? Is that all personal choice? Well, it's it's always an experiment in the making, but even even back to the Vermota days, uh, it's you, you get eyeballs by staying fresh. So I, I, you know, you never want to become stale or just copy paste every time. So um, luckily, my lead editor Will and I work so well together, and we just we just know the ebbs and flows, and we we know what works when we're watching it. So when I, when I see his segment and we plan them out, we're like, okay, I know this is gonna be a little downbeat. We need to make sure we bring it up here bring it back down here so like even when we're searching for music on the red bull library we just know the vibe and feel that we're going for to make sure that the whole thing kind of gives you the ups and downs that it needs whether it's musically or a moto montage or like bringing it down to uh just just these raw bits like it's a it's a culmination of all those that make it watchable for 24 minutes if it was just straight music and moto like i don't i don't think you could stand to watch that for 24 minutes but when you find that that perfect blend of all the elements that you have that's that's when it becomes a a a really fun 24 minute watch so again it's it's a constant experiment and especially since we try to change up every single episode and make them all unique and stand out in their own way it's um it 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 makes it hard but at the same time it's uh I, i think that's part of the success of the series and I don't know, the, the editing style just comes from years and years of practice, just being able to say, oh, what if I did this year or this year? And, and Will's great at that, too. We've let him, he's edited all the Jet Lawrence segments so far this year. And, uh, it's funny because Kyle Calling and I always uh, watch the segments and I show it to him. And he's like, I, dude, I couldn't, I couldn't do that if you paid me a million dollars and gave me 10 years to edit it. So um, Will's editing style is just super badass. And uh, I don't know, when you when you put me, him, and Danny Stu all together on the sticks, it, uh brings it all together and I, I i don't know it just works really well well the cool thing is too you can tell that you're totally a product of like the internet generation where it's never the same thing over and over like if you look at traditional like 90s early 2000s stuff you knew it's pretty formulatic of what's going to happen 
you guys, like, hey, it's the internet. Anything, there's no wrong answer. Try something new the next time, and guess what? You get to try again in two weeks or the next day or something. Like, you got that's yeah. the cool thing, like, of modern media where there is no wrong answer right now. That's very true. Uh, but at the same time, going back to what you said at the beginning of this, when, when we're pumping these out so quick, even though it might not seem that quick, it's pretty insane for the amount of shooting and editing and planning and podcast listening and, and even pre-pro post uh, production, everything that goes into these things, it's a pretty gnarly turnaround. So I don't want to say we're formulaic, but we've figured it out to the point now where we are incredibly efficient when we shoot, we're incredibly efficient when we edit and even listen to podcasts and, and plan on the phone. So uh, when we started this at the beginning last year, editing 14 minutes seemed like the most daunting task and it took us weeks on end and we're like, Oh man, is this even good? And now it's, we like this past episode, we pretty much put together 24 minutes in a, in about a week. So um, I don't know. I think as you finish, figure it all out, it uh, just becomes more and more efficient. And it, while it's not formulaic, it is for us, but we, we always try to change it up enough to uh, make each episode feel different. Mm -hmm. And the one big thing that no one knows about with this, it's not like you guys are all in one production center knocking this out like a Hollywood production at the same <laughs> office building. You guys are all remote, and then you just meet up on those filming locations, right? Yep. I mean, that's I, maybe one of my keys to success since the very beginning of the Verb days. Um, there was a few years that we had an office, but uh, just keeping the overhead low of everybody being able to live where they want and all of us kind of working remotely, uh, it's it's it, it makes it work. It makes you edit and where you're comfortable, it makes you allow, allows you to be home and do what you want and have the freedom of the schedule. And as long as you're getting getting done what you need to get done, it, it just seems to work. So, um, yeah, outside of the weekends and flying to the shoots, uh, for the most part, all of us are placed in incredibly different opposite sides of the country. So uh, my the closest person is Will uh, for me. He's uh, three or four hours up the road. So we, we edit together every now and again, but not, not too often. Mm -hmm. Okay. Hey, uh, we got to take a quick commercial break. When we come back, I want to talk to you guys about these actual, you know, moments of filming, the actual, you know, being at the track, seeing these things and get your insight on that. So set, the, set through these commercials real quick. We'll come right back and then hear more from Jeremy and Wes. Hey guys, this is Justin Cooper of the Monster Energy Star Racing Yamaha team. BC Fit Meals has been a huge tool in my success in keeping me healthy, energetic, and recovering the best possible way I can. All of their meals are delicious, ready to eat, and take the guesswork out of eating right. Visit their site at bcfitmeals.com and sign yourself up today. What's up? This is Justin Barsha of the Monster Energy Yamaha team, and I trust the Rai Helmet. I know that every helmet is handcrafted in Japan, and that the people who work at Rai are obsessed with building the best helmet they can possibly can. Staying safe is a priority for me, and this is why I choose Arai Helmets. Hey guys, Hunter Lawrence here. Lately I've been spending a whole lot of time at the mountain bike trails in the local area on my intense primer, and the thing's badass. For how good it is going up the hill, it's uh, amazing coming down the hill. It's uh, comfortable, nimble, and it doesn't feel uh, like you're going to go over the bars every five seconds. Uh, all their bikes in their lineup are awesome. so. Yeah, you're ready to get serious about training on a cross-country bike or crushing lap times at your local trails or if you want to go a bit further, longer and faster, they, they just brought out a new Taser e-bike which is, uh, yeah, everyone's given the double thumbs up on. So head down to your local Intense dealer or, or purchase uh, directly at IntenseCycles.com. Check it out guys. 
What's up? This is Christian Craig. As a motocross racer, being in top physical shape is a must, and my favorite way to train is cycling. And whether it's road biking or mountain biking, I rely on Roy Cyclery to keep my bikes in perfect running order. Roy Cyclery has been servicing Old Town Upland, California since 1962. Mention the Swap Moto Life podcast for additional discounts in the shop. Hey, what's up, guys? Malcolm Stewart. Worst Connection has been building the best aluminum parts in the motocross for the last 30 years. From the awesome ProLaunch start device and their original adjustable clutch perch assemblies, I am proud to use it on my Motoconcept Honda. Check them out at WorksConnection.com. What's up, Swap Moto fans? The Toyota Vescondido Action Sports team supports some of the biggest racers in the sport, like Aaron Plessinger, Shane McElrath, Dean Wilson, Axel Hodges, Colt Nichols, Brian Deegan, and more. With over two decades of supporting racers, we've become known as the place to buy a Toyota truck in Southern California. Toyota Escondido is a proud sponsor of the Swap Moto Live Show, and all you have to do to get the best deal on a quality Toyota truck is mention the show and tell them you want the action sports special. Check us out online at toyotaescondido.com for more. All right, guys. Thanks for setting through the commercials. Um, We'll wrap it up now in the second part of this podcast, talking about the videos themselves. So for you guys, you know, this is your baby and something that you've been working on since November, December of last year. Uh, Is there any moment from these last six, eight months that really stand out to you? Like maybe it was a filming moment or a segment or something that was really special? Hmm. Um, That's a hard one. All right, my, my favorite moment of this year is something that really stands out. Uh, it, it, it's tough to say because we we spend so much time with these guys, and, and just like them, when, when they're at the track, it's their job, and same with us. Um, so it, I, I don't know. It's not We don't really bother them uh, too, too much, and I don't know. We don't really, like, invade their lives too much. So we, we get what we want and then know that, everybody has a life to get back to wives to get back to, or, you know, they want to go eat dinner, play video games, whatever the hell they do to decompress. So we, we try not to bug them too much. So I don't know. Uh, I'd say the, the coolest thing for us is just our, our group camaraderie. Um, like when we're all on a shoot, we've been basically best friends since uh, for, for over a decade. So I don't know. We, we, we'll go shoot with Ken and uh, then hang out with his uh, mechanic Peyton afterwards and go get dinners, have a few beers and, I don't know. It just makes the whole whole thing a very cohesive, fun, fun program to be a part. So I, I don't know that there's necessarily a, a rider moment that stands out. So I know that's not very exciting, but uh, um, that's what I got for you. No, that's good because it's the same thing for us. Like I go to dinner with these guys sometimes and I'm like, oh, okay, yeah, there's more to this than just sitting here and being an observer of you doing practice laps. And that makes like the whole relationship dynamic better because you see there's life away from the practice track. Hammer, what was it for you? Just interrupt me if it cuts out. Okay. But um, is the Tyler Keith section with Heart Ramp when he was really, you know, working with Heart Ramp and, and telling him what he didn't really want to hear? But I think that was really crucial. And there's that was maybe one day that I think people thought encompassed an entire, you know, what, what every day looks like. But that was just one really rough day for Brandon. And, um, you know, I, I do have a son. And if I had a coach like Tyler, I would absolutely send him to that coach. Um Tyler cares for his guys. He doesn't just go out there and tell them what he wants to hear. And all right, everybody, good luck. I hope you hope this hope your mediocre effort pays off on Saturday. You'll <laughs> be accountable. I mean, these guys are getting paid a lot of money, and they're riding dirt bikes. Let's be honest. Like 
they could be doing a lot of other things. And some guys have left and come back and realized, hey, this isn't the worst gig in the world. So as people are like, oh, that doesn't seem as fun. It's really hard when we parallel Jet Lawrence and he's fun and easy going and it's coming really easy to him. And then next section you have Tyler Keith who's having to grind on someone. But that's the reality. And I'm sure there's days where Jet Lawrence's father or coach or whoever had to grind on him. But I think what you saw with Tyler was real and raw. And he, he happened to be there that day and he just let it all out and didn't care that Mike was on him. And that was, it may, may have been ugly, but Brandon went out and got his first podium ever that next weekend, that following race. So, you know, however you want to, you know, slice it up to whatever it was, he got a, he got the biggest check of his life coming off of that race. So I'd go get yelled at for what he got paid for that. So, um, so I think that's been like the really great part And you know, Tyler has been open and honest and taking a couple to the, you know, people going, Oh, he's, you're too hard on your guys. That's why you haven't won titles. No, that's not the reason at all. It's he actually, he, he's actually made his guys better than they would have been. And those guys will lay down on the train tracks for that guy, whether, you, whether people think that's true or not, he's, he's in there with the good times and in the bad. Cause a lot of, I think a lot of these guys in the sport, it's really easy to run with the front runners and ride with them and jump in the car, ride with them, with them to the airport with your lead horse. But the reality is the guy who's struggling, he needs you more than the guy who's winning. So um, that's probably my favorite part. Mm-hmm. Um, in one of the first episodes, I think it was the very first one, uh, it's preseason stuff, and Ken's putting in the effort down at the Sandbox in Florida, and he's just openly frustrated, like flat, not riding well. And it's not the Ken that we're used to seeing. Usually, even if, like, Ken's bike is in a million pieces, he still finds a way to smile about it. And there was no smiling that day. For you guys, that was awesome to me that he, A, let you shoot that, B, let you put it out there, and C, that you guys found a way to piece it all together without making it be, like, an end-of-the-world scenario of he's going to struggle at Anaheim 1 or whatever. You know what? That's probably the biggest standout moment for me too, because I'm really glad that he didn't tell us to turn off the cameras. Not that he's ever even hinted at that before, but I mean, you got to think from their perspective. You come in from a moto, and we just run in there with cameras, and we're filming you as you're taking your jersey off and you're sweating. Like you, I, I can't even imagine being in his position and just being so mad at yourself and wanting to probably shoot everybody. So, um, yeah, that, that was a really cool moment uh, for, for us shooting. But I, I think what I really tried to get through in that segment was that was just one day. He said he felt like a King the day before and the whole previous week, but we just happened to be there the one day that he felt super shitty. So I think that's the cool thing about Moto Spy. It shows everybody go up and down, uh, through all this stuff, whether it's Coop, Ken, Eli, um, you know, obviously we just show him at the races, but showing the ebbs and flows to everybody is what, what makes Moto Spy what it is. So, um, you know, I, I, I think we shoot, kin enough that we're there on some miraculous days that he's really happy and he's just as content uh, showing his bad days too so and i probably in his mind uh, mentally it, it makes him even stronger because he's not scared to have those bad days shown mm-hmm. and that's the same so thing maybe I there's thought. something to that yeah no i thought the same thing when i watched that video for the first time i was like holy shit he is just totally gonna let that go out there and not be worried about it because he knows it's just part of it and that was at a key time because, you know, think about last offseason. We didn't know how he felt. We didn't know if his whole illness from last year or any of that was going to be a long-time issue. And then within three weeks, you know, we all figured out, oh, yeah, he's good. He's good. Uh, the other one big thing that stood out to me this year was Tampa Supercross with Brian Moreau crashing. Uh, the way you guys filmed that and then edited it together, uh, I cried. You know, I, I've been a big oh, wow. follower of Brian for the last few years. I've been lucky to see him race in Europe 
pretty much, you know, as a kid on a 125 at the Geneva Supercross and all that. So I was excited to see Brian come. And then for how bad that day went, that was honestly, I'll say one of the worst days I've ever had at the races ever. And I just wanted to go home pretty much the whole time. Uh, the way that you guys did that and, and showed it all was super tasteful and, and probably one of the best things I've seen any of you guys do. And I've wanted to tell you that for a while. What was it like to go through that? Because knowing my experience of going and talking to the team, having to film all that and then piece it together because you couldn't leave that part of the story out was huge. Well, it was just crazy being on the ground because I, I wasn't even aware what happened. Like normally we would run from the pits and go shoot practice and then come back. But since it was first practice, I was like, yeah, let's save our energy for at least the last practice. We'll sprint to the track on the last practice. So we'll just wait here for Brian to get back. And then I noticed everybody coming in. So I was like, I, I I was like, hey, where's Brian at? And they're like, oh, he crashed. He's on medical rig. So we, it took us so long to figure it out. And it was like a mile away. And we sprinted there. And that's the shots in the episode of uh, Tyler and uh, I think Rarick and a few of the other guys walking out of there. And it was just uh, super, dude, they weren't talking. I had mics on all the guys and they weren't talking. And I was like, man, what happened? Because I, I thought he just had a concussion. I still had no idea. And I'm rolling cameras, right? So. I didn't, e- I didn't even know we get back to the pits and, uh, you know, filming everything, the bike all broken and stuff. And then I found out what happened and it was just, you know, obviously a freaking pipe wrench to the gut, man. It was, uh, uh, I mean, so such a terrible, sad thing. And it's, uh, yeah, you do- obviously don't want to see that happen to anybody. So, um, I don't know. We kind of made a judgment call right then and there that we we're going to let the team have their space and figure out what they were going to do. So we uh, packed up and went over to Tickle. But even even when we got back, it was a pretty big discussion with me, Jeremy, and Eli of how to tackle that and put it together. Then uh, once we kind of had some ideas, we let Will go after it on the edit scene. And yeah, like you said, it, it turned out um, it, it was it was a great piece for what it was. Um, and hopefully, hopefully Brian liked it. <laughs> Yeah, the one thing it made me think of in the Drive to Survive series is at Spa, like when Hubert gets killed, and they still had to film that same thing. Like The way you guys did all that and found that balance, I was like, holy shit, they did it. You know, and, and your guys' film came out before the other one did, before Drive to Survive did, so the fact that you did that on your own was huge. Um, that That's probably one of the most, probably one of the most important things of Moto Media, I think, in the last, like, 10 years, for real. Yeah, and I mean, it, it would be crazy if we, going back to the Tyler Keefe conversation Jeremy had, if, if we were able to show all the behind the scenes of what Tyler went through with all that, I think everybody would see such a human side and different side of the, you know, track Tyler that you get to see. But I think that's why it was so important for us to continue shooting Pierce and Tyler and, and the judgment calls Tyler then made for Pierce, uh, you know, sending him out to Atlanta and hearing the 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 things that he was saying to Pierce to keep his confidence up, keep him safe and everything. Uh, now I can only imagine, uh, the gut wrenching Tyler went through with that whole situation. So it was cool to see how it kind of played over to Pierce and, and how, you know, he almost took on a, a dad like figure of wanting to make sure Pierce was going to, going to do the best he could while staying safe. Um, those Indianapolis clips were, were pretty much left on a cliffhanger. Now, how did you guys get those and, and that's the only footage I've seen of that time frame. So where did all that stuff come from? So what's crazy is we we were supposed to fly into Indy that night, what, what, Friday, and, and all this started happening earlier that week, right? So I, I flew back from Daytona on, on Sunday, 
and it started kind of getting weird um, and even got a few calls from uh, the Red Bull people uh, saying, hey, we, we're probably going to have to clear some of the stuff and uh, make sure travel's okay. So anyways, uh, Kyle Cowling was about to get on his flight at LAX and fly to Indy and when the call, uh, when the when the decision was made, and like luckily five minutes to spare, I was like, "Yo, dude, don't get on the flight. They canceled it." So, luckily for us, Cole Beach at Feld um, had already was was there. So I was like, "Hey, man!" Uh, and Cole Beach is one of their head filmers. So I was like, "I know you guys aren't going to use any of this footage. So um, would you mind going and getting some track shots for me and all that?" And so luckily he did because yeah, it's uh, just having those shots in the empty Erie Stadium was pretty crazy way to uh you know show that that whole situation hey jeremy with you on this note how uh how was that discussion with feld to allow you guys pretty much all the content and all the access that you guys have had this year because that's that's been a huge huge step yeah i give that all that credit to wes and his oh, guys okay. for the okay. for the relationships they've built with Muey and prater and the guys over there i mean i think Obviously, the the colors of what we, our our brand colors and the colors that you know sponsor their series are, are different, but I think they understand that the the effort and the the resources we're putting towards this their series. I think they appreciate that. I, at least I hope they do, and they see that we're not trying to badmouth anybody. We're just trying to put out the best product possible. Um, so they've been really great. I mean, Prater even during his um, last, you know, right now he's going through a lot of stuff. And I don't know which way we're going to go with, with where, where we end up racing, whether it's in the May, June or in the fall. But he's answering text messages to Wes about footage we're looking for. So he's been great. And those guys have been really, really awesome to work with just to get access. Because, again, they don't have to. But I think they hopefully realize that it's it's beneficial to them to help us. And so that's where that all that relationship building that, you know, people say you got to build relationships over time. And you kind of go, do I, though? That's that's the only thing I can equate their uh, response to us with is, is that relationship that Wes has. And then Wes, for you, I mean, that's huge because that's pretty much every media guy's dream is to have pretty much full access to go shoot a race and do whatever you want to do. You aren't kidding. In the Vermoto years, it was uh, quite a tumultuous time for us trying to get access anywhere because we were kind of on the forefront of website-only media coverage, and everybody's like, wait, you only do a website? Like, this is dumb. And it took quite a few years uh, for us to beat down the doors of Feld for them to even allow us. Uh, floor passes to shoot photos back in the day and even though back then we were kind of the only ones doing video on the level that we were they were still so tight gripped about letting anybody shoot video like it was absolutely no go so um, they slowly let us in and and we shot some like press day stuff back in 2010 through 12 maybe Um, and I think they saw what it could do but they still didn't really open the doors but what's crazy is Jeremy came up with this idea last year and how we wouldn't do the podcast and like change this whole modus by scope. Cause if you go look at episode or seasons one through three, it was a totally different kind of story and project. So we morphed it completely and, and we took the idea to them and I, I, they just seemed all about it. And once they saw the first episode or two, they, they probably saw, okay, yeah, they, this, this helps us. It helps our sport. It helps all the sponsors involved and it helps the riders involved. So, uh, I I can't thank them enough for for what they do allow us to do because yeah having full access uh, to do what we do is absolutely amazing and unreal. They allow us to use as much footage as we want. And a lot of times now they even contribute some of their own footage. So I I can honestly say all the race segments would not be possible without their help. So um, it's it's a great relationship and 
luckily for us, uh, like Danny Stu, Steven Erickson, Luke Parmeter, a lot of the guys that help us also do a lot of stuff for Feld. So I think it's just a very cool dynamic that we all have. And um, we, I, I think at this point in time, we all know that we're there to scratch each other's back because everybody has to help everybody. I think that's uh, that's the writing on the wall that Jeremy was talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. All right, boys. We'll uh, start wrapping this up. I have one, really one or two more quick questions, but it's one big one. It's like two-part thing. Um, we're all pretty much on lockdown right now. I know both of you guys are just waiting this thing out. We're watching a lot of TV, a lot of documentaries. Uh, I've watched the whole Drive to Survive series again, uh, <laughs> and then I started watching the first two episodes of the Last Dance series on Michael Jordan, and they're incredible because you get to see all these clips from years ago, a year ago, 20 years ago, whatever, and then you reflect on, hey, I remember this moment happening, or I, I remember seeing this, or how important that was. With you guys, you have about four weeks. Um, and how important all of that stuff is to see, you know, how a one race or one decision impacts a rider a day later or a week later or five weeks later. It's awesome because you guys don't have that same advantage of a extended time frame to produce these things. They come out closer together, but they have a huge, huge impact. So for you guys, like, how does it feel to film and document the history of the sport as it happens? Like, you have to know that's your intent when you're filming, right? I don't know. What do you think, Jeremy? Do you, I, I, I personally go after it as thinking, okay, this is the season, and and like luckily, especially last year, it, it just ended up being the coolest storyline we could ever imagine. Uh, couldn't have written it better. So, for me, especially in the moment, I, I don't know that I'm ever thinking about like, oh, I'm I'm long term documenting the sport. Obviously, that's the uh, the caveat oh, of yeah. it all. Like, yeah, I mean. At ten years from now, it'll be so badass to look back on these. But I don't know that in the moment that I'm I'm thinking about that. Totally, I, I found it really fascinating, and I forget what year it was where the Bulls allowed the camera crews to follow them around. Um, do you remember off offhand what year that was for the Michael Jordan thing documentary for Last Dance? I think it was like ninety seven, ninety eight. 97, right? Yeah. I thought that was so fascinating because, again, they're, they're just probably thinking about that same thing, too. Like, oh, we're going to document this in the 97, 98 season. They didn't think that it was going to come out 30 years later or 30 years, something like that, close to um, 25 years later that they're going to have something like that um, as like this historical reference point. And I, so I don't I think they were just talking about the moment. I think that's all we're trying to do is to put a put a behind the scenes. The, the, the live footage will always be archived and stored somewhere. But how we got to those storylines, I think is always a, is interesting. And so, yeah, maybe we look back at, maybe this will be the, you know, I look back at the bar to bars from the early two thousands and I love them. And I wish we would have had cameras on Stewart and yeah. and Ricky. And I think we'd all go back and watch bar to bar. And then we'd all go tune into the moto spy of the early two thousands. And we'd be, that, and be like, <laughs> more footage. I don't know. I don't know necessarily if we're in the golden years of, of racing like they were then, but maybe, maybe, maybe in 20 years we look back and we also think this is really great. So who knows? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's I'm, exactly what I was just thinking when you when you're mentioning Stewart. I'm like, holy shit! Like if there was a moto spy with Ricky and Stewart back then, I'd go oh back. I would watch it 14 times during this <laughs> break, right? So yeah, I mean, I, I that's really cool to think about, right? It, 10 years from now, depending on where Cooper Webb and Ken Roxon end up, like these could just be super gold products to go back and watch again. Mm-hmm. And see, I've been this whole downtime has given me that chance to think about that stuff because I'm so go-go in the moment. And then I see what you guys do, or I see what like Tom Jeanette does or whatever. And it's footage of events that I was already at, but seen from a different perspective. And then I'm like, Oh my God, I forgot all about that. Or I didn't see that or all of these things. 
And so in the moment, you're like, yeah, yeah, I just have my work to do today. And then a couple weeks or a couple months or years later, you're like, holy shit, this is this is huge. And that's a good point to bring up, too. Uh, Jeremy always says this, like, you know, everybody complains on YouTube. Oh, they, they, this race happened two weeks ago. But, yeah, everything we show is from a completely different perspective. Things that you didn't see, the, the things that happened at the test track, the Tyler Keith thing or Ken's bad day, Cooper's great day, or that crash that happened, things that you don't see. So a lot of times, yeah, okay, it might lag two weeks behind, but can you tell me anywhere else you have this access, you saw these things? Like, we, there might be four clips that we use from the broadcast that, oh, I saw that Cooper pass, but at the end of the day, everything else you saw in this Moto Spy clip is completely unique, completely different, and, uh, and a new vantage point. Uh, so... I don't know. It, it, I think it drives all of us crazy when, when, when we hear, oh, this, this is two weeks behind. What the hell? Oh, yeah. Trust me. I think the same thing. Like, I see what you guys do, and I'm like, oh, my, this is a gold mine of content. Like, yeah, you get to see the same moment, but to see the same thing from a different perspective and how a bike flexes or a rut or something like that, it's unreal. The fact that you guys have so many angles of the same moment, and they all look completely different. And you know what's cool is um, like the, our Daytona segment for for this one was originally slotted for episode five, but we moved it to episode six when all this happened, and we knew we needed to elongate the content. But um, even that was only supposed to be like a two or three minute segment, and then uh, I had Danny build it long, and I think it's six minutes and twenty seconds, and it was so badass that I went back and watched it, and it's like even though that happened a month ago, I did not remember that race being that badass. So seeing all that footage from the floor all cut together the way he did it was so rad just because I felt like I totally relived it. And I was like, Holy shit, that was such a badass race. And I, I somehow had forgotten how badass it was. So he's like, yeah, I'm sure we'll want to cut two minutes out of this. And I'm like, you know what, dude, let's leave it. I think it's, it's super sick. It puts you back in that moment and how intense that was before all this got shut down. So Mm. I don't know. Uh, just, just the fact that, that everything's from a different vantage point, I think makes it feel new and fresh when you, when you watch it, no matter how long ago the race was, even if we showed Anaheim one right now, I I still think it'd be cool. Mm -hmm. The one thing like the 24 minute runtime that that's what we've all grown accustomed to because that's what a normal like TV show is. But for a moto video, that's so long. Like, is this the longest you think you could do without just completely stressing yourself out 24 minutes per episode? No, I, I personally, like, we, Will and I always talk about this. I, I personally think it could be an hour-long show, as in a 44-hour if you're going to put it on TV. But um, it, it would require a little bit more shooting, probably, and a little bit more pre-pro on just figuring out how to extend some of the sections. But the, the podcasts are so good, the writing's so good, and then you introduce a few more characters. I, I think you could keep someone well-entertained for a 40, 45-minute period of just the turnaround times probably wouldn't be two weeks at that point in time. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Well, hey, boys, thank you for doing this. This was huge. Um, congrats on the series wrap-up. Uh, we'll debris, if we get well, seven more races not. in. Hopefully yeah, there's yeah. one more. Yeah, I was gonna, that was the next thing. <laughs> if this all gets cleared up and we're back to the starting line in a few weeks, if it's allowed, will you guys be there to wrap this thing up? I think that's up to Jeremy. <laughs> I mean, I think there's a lot of what-ifs, but I don't think the story's complete. And just like the season's not. So if they're racing, we're going to figure out something. We'll go back to the drawing board and figure out whether we have to uh, animate the behind the scenes. If we can't be there filming, <laughs> we'll, we'll figure it out. But the, I, I believe there'll be an episode seven and, and maybe an eight, depending on how this season goes. So we're not done telling the story. So there's more to come. Cool. Sounds good, boys. Hey, thank you guys very much for more uh, for more information. Where do they need to go? 
Red Bull Motorsports YouTube channel and just check out yeah. the uh, Yeah, there you go. Six episodes. If you're quarantined up and you want to go, go catch them all, I think you got a couple hours worth of content you can watch, and uh, I think you'll enjoy it.